You're listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang, founder of Moxie Club. When you're looking for lasting weight loss, join us here for the mindset you need, a dash of inspiration, and stories that will bring it all to life. Episode number 44. Well, hey there, Amy here. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Happy and Healthy Podcast. So today, I'm going to be sharing with you five tips that you can use as you think about and prepare for Thanksgiving during this lovely coronavirus pandemic we're having. And I want you to really think of it this year as an opportunity to experiment with Thanksgiving so that you can make it truly memorable in a good way and potentially make your future Thanksgivings even better. So I actually think the biggest mistake folks can make this year when it comes to Thanksgiving is to resist or rebel against the situation that's before us. So just as if you let your thoughts leave you feeling overwhelmed, that doesn't help either. So this year, Thanksgiving is a perfect example of what I'm talking about when I'm referring to our thoughts lead to the emotions that we have and the actions that we take. So Just like the businesses that are still around right now figured out how to pivot this year. As individuals, I want us to do the same thing, to embrace this as an opportunity. So when you resist the idea that Thanksgiving can't be the same as usual, it's really easy to wind up feeling angry or sad or frustrated that it can't be that traditional Thanksgiving. And well, clearly there are some who are rebelling despite the spike in cases and news coverage of so many hospitals that are on the brink of being overwhelmed if they're not already, right? And by resisting and rebelling, we wind up putting those healthcare workers in positions where they may wind up having to rationalize care, decide who is and isn't going to be able to survive, right? So all of this is also potentially further delaying our economic recovery. So let's just look at the data that we have, okay? Clearly, the number of people who have tested positive to date, which is now over 12 million in the U.S., or if you look at even just the number of people who tested positive in the last seven days, we still don't actually know how many people are currently infectious, Right? There are lots of people who probably had COVID, but were asymptomatic and now have antibodies and were never tested. There are also lots of people who had mild symptoms and were never tested. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that this virus was probably circulating in the U.S. as far back as 
December, if not October and November. But it was mistaken for either the flu or pneumonia, right? And access to testing back in March versus how widely available it is now means that if we're looking at the charts over time, the story that it tells can be really misleading there too. So now if we look at who is actually getting tested, it varies so much from one state to another that if you were looking at positivity rates from state to state, meaning the total number that were actually tested, right? Relative to the number who tested positive. If you try to compare those numbers from state to state, you're comparing apples and oranges because their methods, their criteria are different. So if you're not keeping these things in mind, well, let's just say people are using the data in ways that can be very misleading. And so trying to calculate even just, let's say, the mortality rate with these numbers, what story do you want to tell? Is it lower than back in March? I have no doubt because our healthcare providers have gotten better at treating this disease. So are the people who suffered more moderate to severe cases fully recovered from its effect? And I'm talking both health-wise and financially. So I don't think we really have accurate measurements of that yet, right? And then, of course, there's just all the... uh, economic effects as well, and mental health effects. But even with all of that, right, there's pros and cons for shutdowns and stuff like that. What I know for sure right now, and what really concerns me is the sheer number of people who are now hospitalized with COVID, right? Think about the measures that these hospitals have had to take, and then how that affects anyone who needs to be hospitalized right now. And I'm talking about everyone, not just those with COVID. Because in addition to just not having beds available and not being able to have people visit you, right, being alone, as the sheer number of people hospitalized with COVID increases, And again, some are going to be more serious. I would say at this point, right, we need to be concerned with staffing shortages, right? So you've got elective surgeries that are going to, again, be postponed. And even as the mortality rate is coming down, because we have now figured out better ways to treat COVID patients and have better therapeutics. It's not just about the number of beds or ventilators, right? We can always stand up one of those convention centers, right? Or have the ships show up again on the coast. But if you don't have enough respiratory therapists and ICU nurses and pulmonologists to operate the ventilators and care for the sickest people, then the level of care, as we've come to expect, will not be possible. So I am trying to create some urgency here, right? This is the situation that we are now being asked to take into account. 
and then respond to. And I completely understand that for many of us, and myself included, Thanksgiving is a tradition that is filled with rituals, perhaps more so than any other holiday. And it's really about spending time with family and loved ones. So with all the social distancing and quarantining fatigue that we have, since everything got turned upside down in March, right? The latest guidance from the CDC and other public health officials about not traveling and the risk of spreading it to at-risk individuals is really leading to some difficult decisions, right? And it's really about the downsizing of Thanksgiving. So let's just take a look at what the different responses are that I'm seeing. So when we look at folks that are resisting it, right, then I end up hearing statements like the one from CNN host Jake Tapper last week, who said that without a vaccine, Christmas, and I quote, Christmas is probably not going to be possible. All right, so seriously, what does that even mean? Why would you say that? So if we can't do Christmas as usual, then Christmas is not going to be possible. Think about that statement, right? So rebelling means interpreting that your needs and wants aren't met unless you do the opposite of what someone's recommending or telling you to do. So there was another example here of rebelling where Tootie Smith, who is the incoming chairwoman of the Clackmass Board of County Commissioners in Oregon. She declared on her Facebook page, my family will celebrate Thanksgiving dinner with as many family and friends as I can find. Governor Brown is wrong to order otherwise. So we can have a whole conversation about whether or not the orders are legal, but to actually willfully encourage people and state that you yourself are going to have as big a Thanksgiving as possible in the midst of a pandemic is actually not the most mature response. And quite frankly, as in a leadership position, really not being very responsible, let's just say. So then we've got Dr. Scott Atlas right, who was a professor and chief of neuroradiology at Stanford University Medical Center from 1998 until 2012, and is currently a senior fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institution. And he's also a senior advisor to the current sitting president of the United States. And he told Fox host Martha McCallum, This kind of isolation is one of the unspoken tragedies of the elderly who are now being told, don't see your family at Thanksgiving. For many people, this is their final Thanksgiving, believe it or not. What are we doing here? Now, if this isn't a self-fulfilling prophecy, I don't know what is. Because if those relatives and friends visiting wind up having COVID and give it to their elderly parents, then it could be their final Thanksgiving. And 
there's also this idea that unless you spend Thanksgiving with someone in person, then that person will be isolated. And this is simply untrue because my own parents are 81 and 82 years old. And even after I offer to drive them cross country to avoid airports and planes, they wanted to stay home this year, right? They are choosing that. They don't feel isolated because they're not allowing themselves to feel isolated. They can still reach out to folks, right? They're actually looking forward to when the vaccine will be widely distributed. So hopefully in the coming months so that we have sufficient herd immunity where we can now spend Thanksgiving together next year. All I'm saying here is for folks that don't want to accept the current situation, they are focusing their energies on keeping things the status quo, right? So instead of accepting the situation and responding to it, they only want to look at data that supports the story that they want to tell. And when you ignore really important data, how are you helping the situation? So as you can see, in the case of Dr. Scott Atlas, right, not accepting the current situation means focusing your energy on keeping things the way they always were, the status quo. And how does this help with the current situation? Because by resisting and rebelling instead of accepting the situation as it is, folks are reacting from a mindset of scarcity, right? There's a sense of loss as if their ability to choose has been taken away from them. And ultimately, neither resistance nor rebelling serves us in this situation, right? Instead, I propose that the sooner you accept the situation, the sooner you start looking for opportunities to see and accept it as a challenge, right? Now you're focusing your energy on the present and what you can do now. So rather than lamenting what can't be and wanting to rebel, you get to focus your energy on the present and what you can do to make it the best possible now. So let me tie this back to self-care habits, okay? One of my clients recently had to quarantine for three weeks with her two kids after her husband tested positive for COVID. And he actually ran a fever for about three weeks. So fortunately, he has now fully recovered, but he was actually also sick enough that there were nights where she didn't want to leave him alone. And well, this virus really is puzzling because no one else in her family developed symptoms. Anyway, during the last mm, like six to seven months, right, we had put all these wonderful self-care habits in place. And then during her quarantine, those habits really got tested. 
So prior to the quarantine, she was eating at least five servings of fruits and vegetables and sleeping around seven hours a night and working out most days of the week. But because of the quarantine, she had to rely on food delivery services. And well, you can imagine the quality of the produce really suffered, right? So her sleep was also disrupted. And again, she had elementary school aged kids at home as well. So she's now on the other side of it, right? And we were talking about how she really noticed her cravings had come back and what a difference it made when she was eating more fruits and vegetables. So she understands now what needs to happen in order to not struggle with cravings. But she was also really frustrated with the whole situation because she felt like she had come so far and now as far as the reset goes, she would have to redo a bunch of things, right? And so she was looking for help to shift her mindset. So I told her the same thing I'm sharing with you today. With all that she learned about creating new habits and what her body wants and needs, she can use this reset as an opportunity not just to get back to where she was, but to make it even better, right? She has, in a sense, a clean slate and she can apply everything she's learned. And in that moment, when she thought about what I said and what that meant, I could feel her energy level shift. She went from feeling frustrated to energized, And it wasn't about just clawing her way back to where she had been. She literally could see the opportunity. And that's how I want you to think about Thanksgiving this year. All right. So here are five tips to help you prepare for it this year. Okay. One, I want you to think about reaching out. So schedule a quick 10 to 15 minute Zoom call with people that you normally don't invite to Thanksgiving, right? So if you are worried about feeling isolated and downsizing, this is a way to actually wind up connecting with more people. So number two, give. And I'm actually talking about giving your time and attention. So if downsizing means that you're interacting with fewer people. This is a great opportunity to deepen your connection, right? So if you can't be with all the ones you love, then definitely love the ones you're with. So spend more time really having deeper conversations with folks. Number three, create a new tradition. So remember, all the traditions we've ha- we have at some point were new, right? So this year we have a perfect opportunity. We have an excuse to experiment. So think about what may wind up becoming a new tradition that you will want to add to all future Thanksgivings. 
So you could try out a new recipe. And I actually, in the show notes, I have provided links to five of my favorite ones to try out. And it includes like overnight mac and cheese, quinoa, cornbread, and cranberry stuffing. There's a recipe for roasted Brussels sprouts, cranberry lemon bars, and pecan pie sandwich cookies, right? You could support a local restaurant by ordering a meal kit. And maybe there you might discover some new recipes. You could try some new games, right? Have an activity of some sort, especially if you have kids, then use those games via Zoom to increase the time that the kids get with the parents as well. So number four, really, instead of lamenting Thanksgiving being this small, not traditional thing, make it a celebration. If you have fewer people, maybe splurge a little bit on wine or cheese or dessert and really set the table so that it feels like this amazing celebration, right? And then number five, because it is Thanksgiving, make sure that you practice some gratitude. So focus on what you have and what you can do versus what you can't do this year. And the really interesting thing about gratitude is that it puts you in a state of abundance. And you've heard me say over and over again, Making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens. Because it's really difficult to be in a state of scarcity and abundance at the same time. Okay. Since this is Thanksgiving, on a Zoom call, you might try asking, going around and asking each person what they are most grateful for this year. And As you ask yourself that question, notice what comes up, how many things come up, because you have now instructed your brain to look for all the things that you're grateful for so that you can sort it, so that it can come up with that one thing that you are most grateful for. So let this actually be your starting point, right? If you have kids, try making a gratitude pumpkin and use the Zoom call to show it to others, right? And of course, a real pumpkin may be hard to find this late in the season, but you can always do a paper version, right? So for those of you who are on a weight loss journey listening to this podcast, I want to remind you that there is nothing you can do on Thanksgiving Day that will ruin your weight loss efforts, okay? You cannot erase all the forward progress you've been making with one day of splurging, if that's what you choose to do. So I really want you to stay present and enjoy yourself. And if you are at all concerned about whether or not you'll hit the reset button, on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, right? And get back on track. Then I invite you to join our private Facebook group, Moxie Club Meetup, where we'll provide as much support as we can for you, 
right? It's also where I'll be sharing one healthy lifestyle tip a day for the, for like 31 days starting in November. And if you prefer to receive tips by email, maybe you're not on Facebook, you can go ahead and sign up via my website for the 31 days to a healthier, happier you and get a head start on your 2021 New Year's resolutions. So again, we'll be starting on December 1st and all of this stuff is free, all right? So if you have any questions, I encourage you to go to the show notes page and comment or you can send us an email at hello at moxie-club.com. All right, so I'm going to wrap things up today with a quote by Maya Angelou. And again, think about this for Thanksgiving. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. You've been listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, hit the subscribe button now. If you're ready to get started, visit my website, moxieclub.com. That's M-O-X-I-E hyphen C-L-U-B.com. And sign up for a free 20-minute coaching session with me. And remember... Making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens.